it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast. I'm Joe Devine and I am delighted to be joined today by Jonathan Dog McKenzie. Hello. All right, how's it going? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, busy mm. morning? Yeah, busy. Yes, yeah. it was, wasn't Doing it? A few things. It was busy. Mm. We were almost a little bit delayed, weren't we? I don't think we were, no. Because of how busy you were. I what were you doing? I was I was on another podcast. Yeah, so, yes. that's right. A better podcast. That's right. Well, Steve Hankey, producer, and me, Ruben, sat through here trying to talk about the plans for this one. Mm. You were off there gallivanting, doing another, not even one, from our island. <laughs> from our country. This that's country right. of ours. This country of ours. Mm. Uh, now, which podcast were you doing? I was doing the second Captain's Podcast. It is, it is good, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So when can people hear you on that? I've no idea. Great stuff. Ruben Pinder, the baby boy, also here. Hey, buddy. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Not yet. It's your <laughs> birthday today, isn't it? Is it is my birthday Happy today. birthday. Thank you very much. How many candles on the cake? 27. Good Lord. Imagine that. And such a youthful face you've got. That's a, lovely, seems far beautiful. too many candles for his for a baby. 12th birthday. Well, Wait. you know, sometimes... Uh, you've seen that, that, that fad of the adults who like to dress as babies? What's that called? Adult babies. Adult babies. <laughs> <laughs> Clues right. in the name, Simple, actually. isn't the it? The adult yeah. baby takeover is yeah. over. Is, is it done? <laughs> what was that? What was that for? Remember Neville, Neville Southall oh, yeah. like rented out his Twitter account to some adult baby fetishists. And, really? Uh, it, it, it went a bit weird, and he tweeted... <laughs> It's over. We probably need to cut this out. Of the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Who, whose laptop was that, uh, by uh, the uh, way? Uh, sorry. Come on, guys. This is a professional podcast. But only for six more weeks. Although that's not actually true because we do have a, a show after that. And we'll come to talk about that today. Uh, oh, happy birthday. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Yes. Uh, we'll come to talk about that uh, shortly. We John. were supposed to talk about this before we recorded and we haven't done that. Well, so we could have done that it. if you weren't on another. Yeah, that's true. Albeit excellent football podcast hmm? you think about that while you're off the top of your head respects. trying to plan it will exist for longer than this podcast well you've got a couple of minutes to think about it because i need to tell the audience something quickly now do you remember when i said last week that there definitely wouldn't be another show <laughs> and i said there's no I, I believe i said there's no effing and jeffing way there'd be another show well you lied i lied there is one more but not no it wasn't a lie at the time it was a truthful representation of my internal monologue at the time, my belief at the time. But as it turned out, there were almost as many uh, people who signed up to be on the waiting list as there were seats in the venue. So the promoter sort of said, hey, do you want to do another one? And I said, well, I did say we wouldn't. But technically, if we could do it the night before, the show that we sold as the last show is still the last show. So there's no false advertising. You sound like involved. Boris Johnson in the select committee you think so? trying to... Let me just I hold my lie. thumb on this one. I didn't I, lie. I, I didn't lie. I didn't... No, no, no. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> You've got tr- to speak Latin. That's a problem. You need a Latin phrase. To the to. truth is, it, we were just having a drink at work. That's all it was. It wasn't, it wasn't a party. It was just a lot of drinking at work. <laughs> anyway, listen, there was a, there's a new show is what I'm saying. Um, and I believe the people that were on the waiting list, I think you'll be uh, notifi- notified that there's a new show going up. But the tickets will go on sale at midday on Wednesday, the 3rd of May. 
at midday UK time, Wednesday the 3rd of May, and the show is on Tuesday the 6th of June, so it's just the night before the, the final show. It's the practice for the final show, right? It's the pra- Yeah, it'll be the shit one. It actually, it might <laughs> the be the good one. Yeah. It could be the good one, and then when we do it professionally, we'll, it'll yeah. be bad, yeah. you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, come. thank you very much for buying tickets, by the way. It sold out very, very quickly, even though I told you to fuck off. You all bought tickets, so imagine that. Almost as though my plan worked. In its entirety. Got them on strings. Just yeah. wait till we bring the podcast back after the summer. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and then they'll really pay for more <laughs> tickets. Uh, but listen, we've got John McKenzie here. He wasn't here last week. And John, uh, we, as we announced, uh, I, I don't think we actually said it on the show, but we talked about it on Twitter, that uh, whilst the format, the current format of the show will come to an end at the end of this season, the podcast will not come to an end. The podcast, the TFL Football Podcast is still going to exist. And it's going to exist spearheaded by... The dog himself. Mm. Now, tell me a little bit about that, because we've done some episodes like this before. Yeah, we're going to focus on dogs, actually. It's going to be a whole dog-focused How many podcast. different types of dogs yeah. there are? All the different breeds. Different colours of dogs. Mm. What do you get if you mix different types of dogs? That's yeah. right. The genesis of dogs, wolf. Mm. The it's genesis of wolf, wolf it's gonna single-cell organism. Wolf! It's going to be called Rough Rough. Yeah, yeah perfect. Yeah. yeah. And how will it work on a week-to-week basis? Are we still running with this this really hilarious gag or should we it's entirely up to you okay well the, the podcast is actually going to be an interview focused podcast so yeah. it will be in-depth um person to person maybe maybe two or three people on an episode but sure. mainly focusing on interesting aspects about football uh-huh. um we're going to have a broader remit than than the tifo talks podcast i think because we are going to talk about anyone who is interesting from a footballing perspective so yeah. uh, that can be i guess people who are well known for things that aren't football but who are famous for having fandom of a football club or something yes. like that um but yeah what want, want to focus on interesting conversations about football going having the time and space to go in depth on topics because that's what i really like doing yeah and also it's worth saying that, that, that i think the nice broad range of themes that were that might exist within that show go a, a, as far on one end of saying well let's do a whole episode on newcastle for example mm-hmm. and speak about the development of the club which would be quite a football-y show, versus at the other end you might speak to a filmmaker who's made a film about football or a politician who's done lawmaking related to football or, you know, like the whole mm-hmm. spectrum. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's that, that's the sort of diversity that we want. We want to focus, as TIFO does well, I think, on the, the cultural aspect Don't of football Don't pat us well. on the back, come on. That's for the audience to do. I think that we've done a really good job. Mm. Of, of, what? of addressing the cultural aspect. Have of I football. done a good job no, myself? You, you have done a good job of hiring people who are good at that. That's, that's actually quite true. <laughs> Very smart. Yeah, yeah, you're you're really smart, Joe. Yeah. Yeah, really I watched smart. a film in the day the other day. So did you? You know, while you were working. <laughs> really? No, you were on holiday. <laughs> uh, okay. What film was it? It was um, it was The Guilt Trip with Seth Rogen and uh, Barbara Streisand. Came out in 2012, I believe. I'd never heard of it before. I haven't. Was it? Was it good? It's quite good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Road trip, mother and son. Uh, you know, complicated emotional tanglings, grapplings. Yeah. I could see why you were attracted to a film that was titled Guilt Trip. Yeah, that is your main management style, isn't it? And it works very well. It does. Yeah. Now on the new uh, TFO Football Podcast, it will mostly be uh, presented, hosted by you, speaking to people that you're interested in. But the the thing I like about it is that when I find someone who I could get to talk to me, this is not very often, that I could do an episode, or or Baby Boy Ruben Pinder could, or JJ Bull could, you know, 
uh, and everyone else. Yeah, even Michael Bailey could if he wanted mm. to, Seb too. Uh, so uh, you, you'll still hear from all of us, albeit slightly more infrequently. Um, but uh, And I don't just say this as a expert marketeer or as a, a, you know, a pretense of positivity. It will be better. <laughs> It'll be different to what this show is at the moment. But it'll be really, really cool and great. And what's another positive word? Slick. Inspiring. Slick and inspiring. Exactly, yeah. yeah. There we go. Do you, do you think we should say to the audience that they should suggest people that they want on? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. No, no, it, listen, if there's people, if there are, be they celebrities or not, be they just people who write about football or are interesting in the football space or someone, you know, I don't know, you've got your favourite grounds, grounds person, that sort of thing, uh, send John uh, McKenzie a DM and uh, let him know, hey, you should speak to this person and we'll do our best. As long as you think that they could be interesting for more than 30 minutes. Yeah. I think, to be honest, anyone's interesting for more than 30 minutes. I don't know. I've done some interviews with yeah. people who I'm. Who's the worst one? Uh, Ken Early. <laughs> <laughs> He's terrible, isn't he? I feel he? as though I've. He's one of you the mean, worst. Do you mean you've interviewed some interview. boring people or you have been the boring interviewee? Yeah, I mean, yeah, don't listen to the, the second captain's <laughs> podcast this week. I've heard there's a bad guest. On. Um, no, yeah. there's there's some people that you can talk to, and you can talk to, and you can talk to, and you, you you've done interviewing. You know how it is. There's some, and and they just they go. You set them off, and and all you then have to do is steer them in the right directions and make sure. sure that you're you're moving things along. There's other people who I've spoken to where I've been like, right, I'm going to struggle to get you know 15 minutes of content. Is the juice way. worth the squeeze, mm. as they say? The boring interview I ever did was um, David Villa in 2018 really? Really? a World Cup winner over the phone refused to say anything of note at all mm, yeah. about the Spain team or any other teams that's we, quite we, funny we, though we just didn't run it I feel like if I was a professional footballer I'd do that for fun well, I'd yeah, see like if I could get through the whole conversation without really saying anything that's what Michael Alise does in his post-match interviews is it yeah. well they're trained to do that I suppose aren't they yeah but yeah. Alise does it without that kind of media trained cadence of making it sound like he's saying something when he's actually not right. like he was asked about a last minute winner that he scored back in November and he went yeah Wilf passed me the ball um, <laughs> shot scored <laughs> like it was genius deadpan. It was, yeah. Yeah. that was the that was the best thing about it is that like he must have planned that he oh, yeah, must have, yeah, yeah. but he, he kept his face yeah who do you think is the best person to, to interview I think Erling Haaland must be up there right yeah, he seems fun. He's he seems quite young fun. though. Still, I mean, like he, he obviously at the moment he w- he would be exciting because of the season that he's. You think had, he's going to get jaded? I, he's good no, on no, the no, in-house media like, stuff, like that thing yeah. where he's if he's sitting it's around with John Stones, yeah, 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 or like his impression of Stones' accent when he's like, "You're all right." Oh, <laughs> I feel like you want an older person though, with more experience, more to say, a lifetime of anecdotes. You mm. know, Patrick Bamford was a very interesting chat. He and I chat spoke for about forty-five minutes once. Yeah, you do climate change stuff, yeah, yeah. Which is already kind of an interesting topic for yeah. a footballer to be talking and, about. And Jack Grealish was also lovely. Hmm. Do you know who'd be good? Uh, Ian McKellen. Isn't he a big football fan? Is he not, is he? Does he not own... I know, he owns a, he owns a pub in Limehouse, doesn't he? Does he? I, th- I thought it maybe he owned a football club. <laughs> I think he owns one. Anyway, just thinking of a Gandalf, basically. Hey, welcome yeah. to the Tifo football podcast. Do you think this intro has been a long... Not as long as last week. Long Jesus and boring. It's, I re- I, I'd happily hear it end now. You want it to end now? Yeah. This is a problem with that doing the intro first. makes me want to talk first. about it more, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, we, we Every did. time Steve says stop, it makes me want to go. It really does. <laughs> the really imp of the perverse. Yeah. All right, fine. Uh, well, listen, there's loads to talk about on today's <clears throat> TIFO Football Podcast. Oh, the relegation battle really hotting up. Leeds 
have gone and done some stuff and or are considering doing some stuff and or maybe have done stuff by the time this podcast is released or maybe not done same any is tr- stuff. Same is true of me as well. Same is true of John <laughs> McKenzie. shaking his head already as you say that. <laughs> haven't even mentioned the name. <laughs> there was a Leicester Everton uh, happened um, Monday night as well. We're going to talk about that. Worth pointing out that we're recording on a Tuesday morning because there's a bank holiday in the, here in the UK today. And uh, Arsenal Chelsea is played this evening. So you'll be listening to this podcast after that game, but we're recording it before. So we, we just can't preemptively that? cover that game and go, wow, what, what a way for Arsenal to bounce back from those go. disappointing <laughs> results. Frank oh, Lampard really <laughs> left his team exposed on the counter-attack. Anyway. That's right. Birthday boy pinned still him no, the top Still prediction. no win for Frank Lampard. Uh, he hasn't got a magic wand. Yeah. We can talk about Liverpool Spurs, though. That was a big game that happened over the weekend. Uh, Manchester United Aston Villa will come to a little bit later, too. Pochettino to, to Chelsea. We don't know if that's happening yet, but we're going to talk about it as though it may or may not be. <laughs> and a quick glance over to Serie A, where things are really hotting up as part of the Champions League race. That race for the sweet, sweet moolah that is required to maintain um, solvency. Yes. Yeah, there we go. Uh, all right, fine. Well, uh, for now, I will leave you in the warm hands and the cool embrace of the bitterness and the passing of time. Hmm? Let's begin by talking about uh, the relegation battle, but very specifically, John McKenzie, Leeds United. Now, here's a few things about Leeds United. Uh, Phil Hay, the Athletics lead Leeds correspondent uh, at the time of recording, is is writing or has been writing that Leeds are considering sacking Javi Gracia, the you current it, you coach. Made it sound like Phil Hay was going to get sacked then. Phil Hay's like, going to get sacked. He's the Leeds journalist at the He's time. He's the Leeds of, correspondent. The, uh, the Athletic are taking the decision to sack him <laughs> on account of how bad Leeds are doing. Yeah. That's not an appropriate joke in the current <laughs> in the current climate. Let's come let's come back to that. Yes, let's talk about the relegation battle now. John McKenzie, very specifically, your beloved or behated Leeds United. Now let me throw a couple of things here at you about Leeds United. The Athletics Phil Hay uh, reporting at the time of recording that Leeds are considering sacking Javi Gracia and bringing in Big Sam Allardyce. Now, that's that's funny, isn't it? So we'll talk about that. Also, Victor Orta, the football director of Leeds, uh, who, you know, was part of that documentary and has been around, he's been sacked. So we'll talk about that also. And, you know, these things may or may not have happened by the time that people are, uh, are listening. But um, it's not looking great, is it? I mean, Sam Allardyce, if it happens, the last four games of the season... What do you think? Uh, well, we're in a situation where if we do manage to stay up by some sort of miracle, we're going to have potentially new owners, potentially a new manager and potentially a new director of football. So yeah. um, it does feel as though we're, we're sort of staving off the inevitable and have been doing for a couple of seasons now. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reminded, I think, uh, uh, last, um, last week that last season Leeds survived on the final day, you know, just about. We survived on the final day because we played Brentford who'd had their Christmas party or something or their summer party like two days before or something because they wanted to fly off immediately after the game to go on holiday. Yeah. um, But yes, 
those are the sorts of smart decisions that, that we make, you know, play against the team who are going to have their summer holiday two days before we play them. Yeah. Seems smart. We're playing Spurs last game of the season. Well, I mean, Will they be in the same play, situation? maybe they do. Oh. It's worth saying we should probably talk about the run-in. Uh, let me just... Uh, I can tell you what the run-in is. I can know can you? Yeah, yeah, we have Manchester City. Then we have Newcastle. Then we have Wham, West Ham. Wham. And then we Wham, have... as Wham. Wham, as posh people say. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, Spurs on the last last day. Yeah, okay. So you're going to lose all of minimum yeah, two of those games, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, look, we're in a situation now where I reckon a win could be enough to keep us up. And you have four games and anything can happen. You can shithouse a win, right? Yeah, because so, well, as it stands, Leeds are in 17th place, just outside mm-hmm. the relegation zone. On the same points on as goal Forest, difference. yes. 30 points, Nottingham Forest below on 30, Everton on 29, Southampton seemingly already consigned Gone. to relegation yeah. with 24. Above Leeds, also just on goal difference, is Leicester on thirty points, mm-hmm. and at the at the current time, it seems as though thirty the thirty four points that West Ham has might be enough to to, so. to stave off. So really, we're talking about two of Leicester, Leeds, Forest, and Everton accompanying it's Southampton down. Quite a big gap with goal difference as well. Yeah, it's like eleven goals yeah. between Leeds and Leicester. Yes, and it would appear that Leeds probably have the hardest run in of the of those teams. Yeah, and, and not just that, it's. I mean, obviously, you bring in a new manager and hope to get a bounce. That's what happened with Javi Gracia. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's, let's talk about that because he did quite well in the first Yeah, first 10 few points games, and right? five in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, Leeds ran a little bit rich in that period. And I, I was on totally saying... Well, you got a third of your season's points in five games. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's running a little bit it, rich, yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, since the second half against Palace, we've completely imploded under Javi Gracia. So yeah. I can understand why... 21 the... goals conceded in April, the most in a single calendar month by an English top flight side since Newcastle in 1986, mm-hmm. a.k.a. before football existed. Wow. Yeah. So not not good. So I can see why the board would want to bring in a new manager and, and yeah. sort of think, well, at the worst, we're going down as things are, are, are standing. And if we stay up, we stay up. And, and that's good because it saves you a lot of money. So mm-hmm. uh, I think there was a report is it in the Telegraph this morning that said that, that Allardyce has been offered a seven-figure bonus if he keeps leads up. That's for four games of management. So you're talking like a yeah. million pounds. I'll do it. Can you yeah. imagine how smug he will be if he manages to get a result at the Etihad as Leeds manager. <laughs> well, the thing, the thing as well is, is that that game's this weekend, right? So they've not announced him yet. They're probably not going to ma- announce him until wh- whenever. It's He's not very starting... plausible that by the time people are listening to this, that it's not happening and the news is already over. <laughs> yeah, as that's, well. yeah. That's so we should bear true. that in mind. Yeah, but even if even if things happen at the at an accelerated timescale, yeah. He's only going to get like two days to to work with the squad. But I didn't think it was about, I thought it was just about the presence of Allardyce. Well, yeah, it is. You're at a point now where it's just going to be variance. It's it's almost impossible to like analyse anything, right? You score, you get a lucky goal. The opposition score a free cone goal. That could be the three points that keeps you up in the the Premier League. And that's what Allardyce brings. Yeah, I mean, potentially. I don't I don't know. He didn't do it in his last job, right? No, he didn't. And he had 26 games there. That was more than four. That's more than four, and yeah. you would think that... I'm, I'm not entirely sure how it went at first for him at, at West Brom, but his win percentage at West Brom was, was pretty bad. I think it was four four wins in 26 They had a games. pretty poor squad as well, didn't they? They did, like they that, did and they were heading down. squad has more quality in it than that one. Yeah. But um, did he quit, or did they sack him before they went down that year? I think I he, has, he has a habit of of leaving at the end of these jobs. So the last few he's had, he had Palace. I think he left that job, didn't he? Yeah, he walked away from... From it. it was very odd in the, in yeah. the summer, and then he had Everton after that, and I think did the same thing. He got them up to eighth or something, but 
like yeah the, the standard of that that division was clearly not great because yeah. he had half a season won about 10 games or something and it was enough to get the mate's position but well I, I suppose like you know uh talking about Sam Allardyce Ruben Pinder it bring it brings about an interesting conversation because we've said on this podcast before this season looking around the league the the quality of manager is incredibly high in a through, through a sort of modern lens as well there are very few Allardyce's left and and by that I'm not making a value judgment about the, the quality of Sam Allardyce as a manager more just the style of mm. Sam Allardyce as a manager obviously there's four games left of, of the season Leeds need to do everything possible to try to stay up I'm not saying that it doesn't make sense but he's a bit of an unusual candidate in the current context yeah exactly like it felt like for the last few years that the proper football men for lack of a better term that mm. kind of manager have been con- completely cast sure. aside and it's like their their time's up. You know, Mark Hughes has dropped down the leagues. Pardew hasn't managed in England since West Brom as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that didn't go very well. So clubs have been more reluctant to take take a punt on those guys to keep them up now and they'd rather go for managers like Javi Gracia. But mm. it, there's been so much managerial change this season. It feels like now all of the kind of the struggling clubs are kind of pressing the big red button and go, well, we've tried two different things. Neither of them have worked, but we know that this used to work. So what harm can it do to roll the dice like that? Because the the financial implications of going down, especially for Leeds, are too drastic. But So more clubs need to be run in a more sustainable way where you don't fear that your club might fall off the edge of a cliff if you go down because three teams have to go down. Yeah. Like you have to account for the possibility. I, I think there's an element as well where if you sack your manager four games before the end of the season, there's a very limited pool of, of coaches who are going to be willing to take that, mm-hmm. uh, even with that massive bonus that, that is hanging there as well. Because yeah. the, if you're an, a young up-and-coming manager, you see that four games, you know that the majority of that is just variance and, and it's going to be lucky, basically, if you stay up or not. It's a massive risk for you to it's take that It's not enough time to drill job. in yeah. a new cohesion, the, really, is it? Yeah, it's literally just either being a four guy or gambling on it, working out somehow and being well, like, oh, well, look. Also, like presumably, if you're Sam Allardyce and, and you have the, you know, you can do, you can spend every training session working on solidity, but presumably a big part of your thinking is, can I show up, galvanise this team, uh, you know, bring the right sort of attitude and mood and atmosphere to, to the dressing room and to the training ground mm. and... Uh, try to work psychologically with the team to make them feel like a bit, you know, to give that kind of siege mentality. Presumably that has yeah. to be the aim because... Yeah, but I feel as though I've listened to a, a number of different clips from his podcast and various media that he's done recently and you talk about him having to instill a mentality and I feel as though the mentality that he will instill won't be that galvanising sense of, you know, we have good players here, we can make the differences. Yeah. He, he, just so much of what he seems to do at the moment is this sort of negative, antagonising, you know, I can't get a job in the Premier League anymore because my name's Sam Allardyce, not Sam Allardyce. And he, he used that phrase, I think, in the in that podcast. This this whole right. idea that, that may, I don't know, maybe a siege mentality like that everyone's against us will will work. But I also, I also feel as though we've moved beyond that point, right? We, yeah. I, th- I think galvanising managers now galvanise players by giving them tactical systems. Being and, nice. And being, being nice, getting, putting arms around <laughs> shoulders and, and, and geeing them up, but also having yeah. those, those ideas that you're going to try and implement on a it's on quite It's quite interesting well. that, though, is a broad conversation, isn't it? And we, it's good we've got a very own baby here to help us from a different generation to, <laughs> to understand this, uh, because I feel like there's been a shift in the way that dealing with players generally uh, is approached 
you know, 10, 15 years ago, you would shout at them and call them a and say you were going to set fire to their families and that's how you would get them to play good football. Which Whereas, is your, your management that's style. That's my management yeah. style. Whereas if you were to do that now uh, to the younger generation of footballers, I feel like that, that doesn't work. And what seems to... I mean, this is obviously a very broad, sweeping generalisation, but it seems to work when they're a bit nicer. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and that's kind of... It's like what you're alluding to there is kind of what people like Roy Keane and Graham Souness seem to miss. In their punditry, they always kind of talk about berating each other. Do you remember when Roy Keane once said he'd be swinging punches in a dressing room or whatever? And yeah. 20 people in their 20s aren't really generally like that anymore. Sure. Um, so I'd appreciate it if you stopped doing it to me. <laughs> right. But um, yeah, no, it doesn't work. You're, you're very quick. <laughs> You're always evading the uh, the impacts, you know. But. Yeah. <laughs> Live. Um, That's what I'd say. I, I, I feel as though... He's not finished, John. Oh. Don't interrupt the young baby. Let me talk. You interrupted him. No, but I need to... A little joke to help him carry on. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, no, it doesn't work. Um, Jose Mourinho once said about Frank Lampard, didn't he, that at 21, or however old Lampard was when Jose arrived at Chelsea, that he was already a man and players aren't like that anymore. No. Um, I think there was... He might have been comparing him with Deli Ali, who obviously had a very brief upturn under Jose and then fell away because that kind of man management didn't work with somebody of his character. Yeah. Um, but like Allardyce's approach has worked in relatively recent memory. Like he kept Palace up and kind of transformed them overnight. Mm-hmm. Well, not overnight because we did lose 4-0 to Sunderland. That was the worst day of my footballing life. Um, <laughs> but uh, it did work to an extent. Um, so it depends on the characters, but uh, the, mm. the best modern managers are adaptable to different characters. They know when yeah. to put a rocket up somebody and also when to give them a hug. And, yeah. you know, maybe he does. It yeah. is possible that he does that. I mean, you don't I have get to that say, like, without having some kind of people skills. Of, right? of yeah. course. And I have to say, like, the big, for me, the big upside uh, is that um, that sort of negative energy gave me my favourite ever football moment, which is Sam Allardyce laughing like Santa Claus at Chico Flores, the Swansea defender who, who had gone down under a tackle uh, right on the touchline. It's it's if you haven't seen that, I'm sure you have seen the, the the meme. But go and look it up. It's it's one of the most beautiful moments it's in the amazing, history yeah. of the world. He's good value for like memes and like Barclays yeah, moments. Like so when he when he was at Palace, he he did a little dance and kind of gave somebody yeah. the eyes uh, when we were playing down at Bournemouth. And well, Pardew's dance. We mentioned Pardew before his dance. That was a terrific yeah, dance. Wembley. He also yeah. has been linked with this Leeds job. Has by he? The way. Yeah. Get them all in. Get them both in. They could do it together. Oh, yes. What do you think? No, I no. think no. There's mm. a there's a real um quite kind of pathetic tragedy to <laughs> Big Sam's energy over the past few years, isn't there? Like it's negative, but it's also <laughs> that's like, really damning. <laughs> but it is. You said that like it was a lot nicer than what I know. Came out. I didn't mean pathetic to sound so <laughs> pathetic horrible, tragedy. But... He's talking about pathos, <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the classical sense, people. Yeah, yeah, come on, finish finish up though. Um, he go he's been on you know B in sports to talk to Keys and Gray a lot, and it's all complaining like the world is against me mm. um, and it, it, it ignoring the fact that football has just kind of moved beyond him. And there's an irony in that because he was one of the first people to do like data analysis to yeah. help prepare for his games and stuff. And then he just kind of stopped and football moved beyond him. Mm. Um, but yeah, as I say, it's worked before four games. It's, it's Why in, not? Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? That the idea of the, the world being against him. I know it's not against him because it's against me and it can't be against <laughs> Both, can it? We've had nine, the rule. nine Premier League clubs. That's now. true. Right. So Leeds, would be, Leeds would be his ninth. Yeah. Right. Does yeah. four games count as a job? Well, it's he, like a like a contractor, isn't it? 
it's three more than he had with England. That is true. Still 100% win ratio, so <laughs> can't knock it, it. It's a weird one, isn't it? Because I, I it would be... I stop you. Because okay. I want to move you on to talk about something else okay. related to Leeds now. Victor Orta, we mentioned at the beginning, the football director has, has also left the club today, as far as we're, as far as we're aware from news reports. Um, Victor Orta is actually the person uh, uh, that some fans have been chanting about over and above the, the ownership. I mean, I was listening to the Athletic Football podcast that came out uh, yesterday, and Phil Hay was making this point that, you know, perhaps it's because the fans... <clears throat> already have the expectation that the ownership is going to change over at some point soon and they wanted to make their thoughts known about about Victor Orta. Just give the audience here a little bit of a, you know, uh, a backstory. Why, why, why are fans so upset with him? Well, Victor Orta has been at the club for six years now as the director of football and I, I guess very much positioned as the ideas guy and he's always very quick to, to sort of take the credit when, when, for example, you hire someone like Marcelo Bielsa. And he's done a lot of stuff that, that deserves credit. Um, I was saying on, on the Second Captains podcast, it, it, it's, it's, it, I think the, the strength... You're going to recycle podcast yeah, material well, here now. Now it's got to this stage, has it? You're our guy, but you've already said this somewhere else. I've already said this somewhere else. But the, the idea um, that I think is good behind what Victor Water does is that he's very open to... I don't say delegation, but like other people's opinions. So he's very happy to to spend money on a number of different data companies, data packages, and uh, pay for consultancy on certain on certain things. Mm. Um, and that means that he has a, a really diverse set of, of generally smart opinions that he is drawing from. Um, but the problem is, is that the, the, sometimes you get the impression that he has too many opinions that are circling around that he can pick from. So sometimes he'll do smart things, and and sometimes things will go well, but equally. Other times things will go terribly wrong. So mm-hmm. um, one of the, he's he's made a bit of a name for himself for um, for reclamation projects. So signing players who were touted as being talent and p- having potential high ceilings who've maybe dropped off a little bit in in, in se- subsequent seasons. Dan James. I mean, Dan James is maybe not <laughs> my example <laughs> of that, but I would say someone like Jean Kevin Augustin, who we talked mm. about on the podcast a few weeks ago, who is a player from <laughs> from Leipzig, yeah. who we signed for. Well, we committed to signing um, if we if we got promoted um, for a certain fee. Got promoted, but didn't want to keep him because he, he basically his 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 he basically lost a lot of athleticism and was yeah. struggling with injuries and stuff. So um, because of this legal loophole based on around the, the fact that the season ended later because of COVID, they tried to not not pay for that. So situations like that, I think, that have become quite emblematic of Leeds in the last few seasons where it, it, it feels as though there's sort of smart ideas there, but then when it doesn't work out, they try and wangle things in their own way. Mm. Um, those have become more and more increasingly obvious, I think, since Bielsa left. Yeah. There's been less good stuff to... to placate the fan base with and so I think what's happened is this downward spiral now where mm. where I think uh, everything that goes wrong is is now being pushed Victor yeah. Orta's way and we say you know it, it, he's the ideas man surely the ideas are bad right. surely he it, should move on the is there not also go. a massive decline in form since Tyler Adams got injured um, I, I, I'm I never going to be the sort of person who's going to agree to like one player being yeah, the difference between where we were and where we are now um, what well, about Robin Van Persie in 2013? What about him? Did well, you think Leeds, he... Did we think Leeds declined 
after he declines. That's right. That's I mean, there's an argument to be made there. It's a mess is basically where we're at now. And that's what yeah. I think a lot of Leeds fans find so frustrating because so much of the good things that occurred under Marcelo Bielsa weren't just the product of, of being successful and winning, but were about having someone in the club who understood the most important thing about football is the club the club's relationship with the fans, yeah. the, the impact that a club can have on a fan base is more more important than the underlying financial management or success of a club. Mm. Because if you don't have the fans, you don't have that, you don't have any concept of financial success. And I think the thing that Marcelo Bielsa did, yes, he made us enjoyable to watch again. He made it, and, and that's really important for a fan base. They want to watch good football. But he also got the fans able to think about the club in, in that sort of positive um you know societal aspect he detoxified yeah exactly and Mm. and he got people realizing that you know football clubs are called football clubs because they were originally set up as clubs of local people within the community who came together under this common idea of of supporting a team yeah they're not called football corporations they're not no and i feel as though leeds fans as a result of marcelo bielsa were able to enjoy that club aspect again and the idea there being that there are the people behind the club have that our best interest as fans at mm. heart they're going to make what they think are the best decisions and it's since Bielsa's gone it's become very obvious that that isn't the case actually no. they were riding on the coattails of him well let's lay some context here, here as well and, and listeners we will move on from Leeds at some point because good lord uh, but it's worth saying that, that obviously behind the scenes that uh, there's uh, Andrea Radrizzani who's the current majority mm-hmm. owner of Leeds the Italian businessman um, but uh, an American outfit. What's their name? The I don't know what four, their name. Is. Yeah, well, there's the 49ers. Is it 49ers Enterprise? Yeah, there's a bunch yeah. of investors yeah. who are involved with the 49ers who have a minority. It's share. a kind of. It's like a, it's a it's a it's a group of investors. They own also an American football team. You know, considered to be generally smart and patient mm. uh, investment group. And the expectation was that at some point, maybe it would be this season, maybe it would be next two years down the than the line that they would turn their minor- minority stakeholder into a, a majority and mm-hmm. buy out the current um, ownership. Uh, obviously, if Leeds are relegated, that is a different scenario. It's not clear whether that would or, or would not happen. And it's, it's worth listening to the Athletic Football Podcast with Phil Hay uh, to, to learn more about the, the details of that. Very interesting. Um, but I suppose I'm, I guess the question I'm asking is, with Victor Orta having been there for six years and now departing mm. at this point, four games before relegation or not it seems like an odd time to to set a football director i mean that's clearly more of a symbol than anything else right you might as i mean i guess unless they're thinking they want to get ahead of things in the summer but they don't even know what league they're going to be in so it's not like they can really do any transfer business between now and the end of the season what's the point of sacking him today instead of four weeks time if it's not just a symbol to the fans and or it's a decision taken by a group of people who might be taking over soon I don't I mean I'm just this is just speculation the timeline of how the news broke was that Sam Allardyce was going to potentially take over from Javi Gracia that came out before the Victor Orta news as soon yeah. as I saw that I thought there's no way that Victor Orta would suggest that as a, as a sort of managerial pathway right. which made me think already something's happened behind the scenes which suggests he's yeah. going to end up moving on so I think that I think they've they're they're sort of burning everything down. It's it's I think they're desperate to try and keep the club in the league because it will retain a certain amount of value in terms of the ownership takeover, right? Yeah. If the if the club goes down to the pre, into the championship, it could very well be the case that 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 
um, takeover still happens, but it will be at a much more reduced um, rate. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel as though that's what's happened in the last year, right? The, 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 there's been this insinuation that the value of the club has been dropping and dropping and dropping, and Andre Radrizzani is doing everything he can to try and keep the club in the, the league because it's, that's the big drop that makes all of the difference. So yeah. it feels now that, we're, that it's, it's sort of desperation levels, right? That, and they made... I think they made decisions too late a lot. They, they sacked Jesse Marsh. You can argue whether or not Jesse Marsh should be sacked at all. That's an argument some people make. I think that he was taking us down either way. Mm-hmm. I think the big problem there was that they kept, onto, kept hold of him until after the January transfer window. Now we have this squad which doesn't fit a manager who's trying to keep a team in a division. Yeah. Um, and, and so there's issues there. But it feels as though everything that has been done now has just got to desperation level. So it's like, well, this hasn't worked. Let's bring in a new manager. Oh, that's, that hasn't worked. Let's bring in another new manager. Let's get rid of the director of football because he's the ideas guy. So mm-hmm. someone has to... Someone has to take take the responsibility here and now we're going to get into this summer either in the championship or the premier league with without probably without a manager probably pro- almost certainly without a director of football yeah. and potentially with new owners um and potentially not right which is yeah exactly which is <laughs> equally equally damning yeah. so it's it's very hard to to see this season as anything but like an absolute and utter mm. disaster did you for see Leeds. um during the defeat to bournemouth um, at the weekend, we should say Leeds lost four one to Bournemouth. Yeah. We don't think we actually said that, but <laughs> I think that's why these things are happening. Something was cut. Uh, we should say before we move on, Steve Hankey put this in the uh, in the podcast plan for us. There, uh, Allardyce did not leave West Brom before they were relegated. Uh, this is from the BBC on his uh, Premier League record as well. Allardyce's last spell in charge in the division was with West Brom in 2020-21. However, he was unable to save the baggies from the drop after replacing the sacked Slaven Bilic and suffered his first relegation in 17 seasons. His managerial record in the top flight currently stands at 537 matches with a 33% win rate and an average of 1.26 points per game. Now that'd probably be enough to keep Leeds up, wouldn't it, if it worked like that? That's why I thought he uh, had left before they went down because mm. he had done that previously and that was yeah. his first one I bet he hates that he's got one relegation on there he's got one on there well yeah. you know he's still got the Leeds job so there we go 1.26 points per game look forward to Leeds finishing the season on 35.26 points hey it's going to be very exciting and hopefully enough to stay up uh, let's have a break now when we come back we'll talk about Leicester Everton two other big teams that could be facing the drop this summer Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Yes, returning to the second uh, part here of the TIFO football podcast, all above board, all above board, Leicester City 2 to Everton. What a shocker 
Hey, one point a, a piece. Not really any useful for it. either of these teams. Both in the relegation zone there, though. Uh, nice goals from Soyuncu and Vardy, Calvert-Lewin, and Iwobi. And a missed penalty, of course, as well. For Leicester, I believe there was a yeah, missed penalty. Yeah, Madison put it down the middle. And mm. Pickford's uh, water bottle was later shown to have um, where Leicester's possible takers would put their pens. Vardy, Madison and Tielemans. And yeah. under, next to Madison's name, it said stay with a big 60% green thing in the middle of the goal. Wow. And I, I really liked how Pickford, he moved towards one side of the goal just to kind of convince Madison that he was going to go that way and then immediately moved back and just punched away. It's good Do you know what my favourite thing about penalties is? What's, Whenever what's someone that? saves a penalty, everyone on Twitter's like, oh, that's the worst penalty ever. Right. Mm-hmm. I just think it's so funny because like most of the time, goalkeepers are just guessing. Like, is that your favourite thing about guesses. penalties or is that your favourite thing about people? Or maybe people. It sounds like Twitter, a people thing yeah. rather than a penalties thing. But I, I thought with, with Madison, like, so Mohamed Salah the day before, the day before, had scored a penalty, right, where mm-hmm. you just put it down the middle mm-hmm. and no one's, no one's been like, oh, you know, that's a shit penalty everyone shit. says it's good everyone's like good penalty Calvin, Calvert Lewins went down the middle he leant back as well and it kind of yeah, didn't he... look like the cleanest one it you know a different day could have gone over the bar nobody said that was a bad penalty I mean sure. obviously if you're putting the ball down the middle you have to make it look as though you're going one side or the other yeah. but obviously in that situation Pickford has just been told stay in the middle he's probably going to go down the middle and that's what he's done and that's he's just right. kicked it straight at him well right. history is written by the victor isn't it it is it is very much and, yes. uh, you and the know, penalty takers and that's why I believe in not that, not that one. No, uh, trying to think of a clean, a good clean history joke. Uh, that's why I believe in the formation of the European Union because it hasn't worked. My joke hasn't worked. That's why I believe in Stonehenge. <laughs> Does that work? You believe in Stonehenge? I, I, I in started Stonehenge in a good place well. that was not speakable, and then I moved further and further away. Which is your until... favourite henge? I like uh, the town of Henge. Penge. Penge. Yeah, that's in South East London. What is penge. a henge? It's a stones. So I know what stone Stonehenge circle. is, but yeah, yeah that's a never great heard, example of a henge. Never heard the word henge without stone before. I think it's it. just a stone circle, isn't it? Okay, I'm actually not. Yeah, henge is a prehistorical circular or oval earthen enclosure, yeah, dating from around 3000 to 2000 BC during the Neolithic, also known as the New Stone Age and the Early oh. Bronze Age. Do you know what I like about um, henge and stone circles? is uh, how they always say the thing that they're always impressed by, the modern people, is how they align perfectly with the stars. And I think, what? You mean the stars that you can see (laughs) every night? (laughs) Do you mean the ones that you can see to align them with? Isn't the more impressive thing about how they moved the stones? Oh, sure, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not trying to to take away from those prehistoric peoples. And just if if any if any prehistoric people are listening, <laughs> apologies now for if you were offended by that. I didn't mean to take away your achievements. You lifted some very very heavy stones, and we certainly don't know how you did that. But can, uh, can you name compared any... to a pyramid, pretty boring, isn't it? Can you name any other famous henges? Penge henge. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a henge in my back <laughs> What? T- tell me about some other penges. Any other penges? Penges or henges? Oh, Steve's put the etymology of penge in the plan. Oh, really? Henge. Do you want to see that? Yeah, it's... I love etymology. Okay, well, etymology of, of penge. Oh, henge. Sorry, not the etymology of <laughs> What's penge. the etymology of hen? You, you find out the etymology of penge, and I'll tell people the etymology of henge. The word henge is a... You've put this in very small there, Steve, haven't you? Yeah, do you want me to read it for you? No. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, I'll just make it a lot bigger. There we go. And there goes off the page, though. Oh, it Hang goes on. off the page. Here's the... Oh, hold on, I'll just, I'll just hold my laptop right in front of my face. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, the, etym- <laughs> the etymology of 
Henge. The word Henge, a back formation from Stonehenge. Oh, it's a kind of backwards compatibility PS5, PS4 sort of deal. Okay, I like that, yeah. The famous monument in Wiltshire. Stonehenge is not a true Henge. Holy fucking shit. <laughs> what are we learning here? Stonehenge isn't even a Henge. It's not even a Henge. But, but, it's, but it's the original Henge. Very com- okay. It's as its ditch runs outside of its bank. <laughs> Although there is a small... It, 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 Ex- extant external bank as well. This is thrilling stuff, isn't it? The term was first coined in 1932 by Thomas Kendrick, who uh, later became the keeper of British Antu- antiquities at the uh, British Museum. Do you know what I love about this? There's going to be someone in our comments tomorrow who is an expert in Middle English or something. That's He's true. Tell us about the uh, etymology. Well, and that's because the the audience that we've uh, got for ourselves here, John, very strange people, aren't they? Very, uh, very unusual. What are they doing here? Yeah, you know? that's true. Why have they flocked to us? We're just mortals. Guys. They're the sort of people who have the time to just build oh, a henge, man. right? We're just innocent men. We really are. We enjoy all the memes, just like yeah. the normal people do. The name and... penge derives <clears throat> from the, the Celtic word, Celtic word. Celtic. Not, it's not the Celtic word, John. Come it's on. It's not Celtic, is it? Yeah, no. And I'm you Celtic should know because you were just on the second captains. I am. He's got a yeah. football brain, though. It's like, He's got football it's brain. like got when football I studied brain. history, I read... Henry, as in the eighth, as Henri in my head. Do you really? <laughs> uh, King Henri of uh, England. Uh, he had someone, six words. Someone in our comments is now going to say, actually, I think we'll find that in that period, yeah. Henry was actually pronounced Henri. And the reason is because uh, they all had what? bread in their mouths. So <laughs> the way they spoke at all times was actually dictated by the dryness of the bread. Henri, Henri, you know? <laughs> yeah. Don't send us that. Celtic comment. word meaning head of the wood. Penkoid. A head of the wood. Penkoid. What? Top, top wood dog. That was, head of the wood. Said. I think top of the wood. Yeah, top as of the wood. wood. As in like Not the, like the, the headmaster. The, the big wood. Chris Wood. Big dog of the wood. Chris Wood is the original pen. <laughs> that's right. Okay. Neither Everton nor Leicester were very good, were they? No, that's a good way There's of bringing us a, back, though. There's such a miserable picture of Penge. <sighs> is there? On this. Can I show it to you? Yeah, I want to see Penge. It's, it's, it's oh. The, oh. Isn't that miserable? Poundland Penge. Yeah. I mean, I suppose Poundland offers a very mm. real and true service. Where actually it's not that true because not everything in there is it's a pound. A lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. Poundland it's for uh, listeners overseas. It's a shop where uh, the name is supposed to indicate that everything inside is a is a pound or a dollar, a dollar, but uh, it's not. And this was a boring bit of the podcast, wasn't it? This bit there. Did we go for that? That was boring. Both teams yeah. were very bad, but that made for a really entertaining game. I yeah, you thought. think so? Yeah. What was so entertaining about it for you? How bad they were? Yeah, yeah. like neither team really being able to defend properly or attack properly. Yeah. Um, I, I liked Madison's assist for Vardy's goal, like moments of quality in there. But um, I think Seb Stafford-Bloor texted me on the day to say something similar to you. Uh, he said, the team, the, the eventual victor will be the team that has the ball last. <laughs> Because <laughs> it was yeah. very end-to-end. It was very um, next goal wins um, yeah. at school kind of vibes. Um, there was an interesting stat that Carragher, Jamie Carragher analysed before the game on Monday Night Football. I think the amount of goals that Everton have conceded pre and post swapping Connor Cody for Michael Keane mm. shot up from like 4 to 18 or something. Um, well, I mean, also on that note, um, Opta Analyst uh, tweeted about this uh, w- uh, relating to XG. Leicester had 3.5, Everton had 3.3, and it produced the highest combined XG for a Premier League game this season, 6.8. And it did, it had that feeling about it, yeah. didn't it? And it's, but that's not like two teams at the top of the table with world class <laughs> attacks. That's two dreadful defences. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, listen, the, the point about this anyway is Leicester and Everton is, is very possible. 
that if Nottingham Forest are able to escape, one of these two teams might be the team accompanying Southampton and potentially leads, maybe, down. Yeah. Is there one amongst these two, Ruben Pinder, that you think might be the more likely? Or do you think they'll both be safe? I mean, predictions are a bit of a mugs game. I, I found it difficult to call. It's good that we've got a mug on the show, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, I found it difficult to call yesterday. Just they, they both look like they have kind of the same problems mm-hmm. and the same qualities as well. Um, I would probably just about back Everton to survive and Leicester to go down if I had to choose. Interesting. Based on what? Dyche. Dyche. Yeah. Sure. And Calvert-Lewin, he's fit again and he looks like he's in... Mm-hmm. He was threatening quite a lot. Yeah. Um, so if he can just make them stop them from shipping too many goals, drop Michael Keane basically, and get Calvert-Lewin on the end of a couple of crosses, mm. might be enough. What do you think? Last roll of the dice. Um, did you know Thomas Crapper <clears throat> is a is a famous man who invented notable, the toilets? Yeah. Well, yeah. he's commonly but erroneously credited with inventing the flush toilet. Really? But he lived in Penge. Yeah. I did know that. Um, I didn't know he lived in Penge, but I did know about him uh, because uh, very. A shame to say that as a as a child, did you as find a young it very man, funny? I did find it very funny. But as a as a young teenager, we had a friend in our friend group who's who's uh, one of their parents or his mother's maiden name was was Crapper, and uh, we found out about Thomas Crapper, and we used to call this 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 friend of ours Crapper all the time. It really wasn't that funny, but we did it for years, <laughs> and that's how I know all about Thomas Crapper. So if you're listening. I'm sorry, Crapper. <laughs> I am. Now, as an adult, I look back on that and I think, well, that was, that was cruel, wasn't it? And it wasn't even that funny. It was a bit funny. Shit joke. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Uh, Leicester or, or Everton, though? If um, Leicester go outside of the relegation zone with that result, right? So, I believe so, yeah. Um, level on, on points. On goal difference. Yeah, right. I'm at the point now where I'm genuinely looking at those teams and thinking, like, could could one of these teams feasi- could Leeds feasibly stay up yeah. without winning another game? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's they, the level. Yeah, that I, I mean, that's the level be. that I'm at. In which case, if you can, then surely like Leicester are in a better position to do that than any of the other teams, just because yeah, of the league position. Yeah, a marginally easier run-in, I would say. Because tell us the run-ins. Really. So Everton have to go to Brighton, tough game. Uh, host Man City, very tough game. Away to Wolves and then home to Bournemouth. So you would think maybe they get four points from those four I games. I think four is enough. I think yeah. four is enough. Um, and then Leicester, on the other hand, go away to Fulham, then they host Liverpool, away to Newcastle, and then host West Ham. So it's pretty even in terms of yeah. how many points you'd expect both teams to get. If South, if, we are, if we're assuming, if we're consigning Southampton, Southampton to relegation, yeah. then yeah. which other two teams are going down? Your mug. Uh, Leeds and Leicester. Okay, John. <sighs> Chuckles, I'm in danger. Yeah. Um, that's a meme. That's a meme, isn't it? Uh huh. I think that. <sighs> Just the team names, please. Forest. Forest, okay. And. Just say Leeds. Come on. Just say it out loud. It's not Leeds, what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Forest and Leeds. Forest and Leeds. It's not what you want to happen. Okay. I don't even think I believe that, but that's uh, what I'm saying. I want to hear what Steve Hankey thinks. Two team names, please. He doesn't look that far down the table. So, so that, <laughs> not, not this season, no. Uh, Southampton, yes. I have to um, confess a personal interest in Everton staying up because my dad is an Evertonian. Right. But I also think it'll be them. Yeah, okay. And probably Leeds. All the more reason for them to go down, isn't it? Yeah. No, and then you can really say, no. you, fuck you, Dan. <laughs> I've always hated you. Um... <laughs> 
and yeah, it's, it's also because I mean it would yeah, nineteen fifty five would yeah. be that's one of the Everton as a club historically great. One of the few things they have to hold on to now is the whole yeah. consistency of their time in the division. So that would be a new stadium as well coming, possibly in the championship. Not good. It's bad. For, it would Very be bad, bad for them. Yeah. Bad. So think, you think Everton and just the run in and Calvert Lewin coming back to you late? Which other team? Though? I think Leeds. Everton and Leeds. I think well, Leeds. Yeah. Sorry, John. It's funny, isn't it? Because like, there's five teams probably who deserve to go down. <laughs> yeah. Like, Most seasons, really. If all five of them went down, I don't think anyone would. I was, I was speaking to my friend in the pub the other day, and we were uh, debating or discussing rather what, who are the most miserable fan base in the Premier League, and decided that it was a tie between Everton and Spurs, and yeah. Everton are essentially a Poundland. Spurs and Spurs are a Waitrose Everton. <laughs> Spurs fans have no terrible, right to yeah. be miserable. I think. Of course they do. No, they Come don't. on. Oh my God! Who are you now? If Seb was here, he'd tell you off for being misery police. Don't well, tell people busy. what they can't be. No, sad people about. can. People they, can. You be miserable. said they've got no right to be miserable. <laughs> they've got no right to be miserable about the things they're miserable about. Nonsense! It's all contextual, isn't it? It's all relative. It is all relative, but uh-huh. they, they of of all of the relativities, they have yeah. the smallest relativity to be miserable. Like. That's not how relativity works. Yes, it is. No, it's not. I've read Einstein. No, you haven't. And if you did, it was in Latin and you didn't really understand it. Yeah? <laughs> anyway, let's have another break. And when we come back, we'll wrap this up really quickly so I can go and do my actual job. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Returning Liverpool 4, 3 Tottenham Hotspur. Now, this was quite funny, wasn't it? Not if you're a Spurs fan, but uh, the just objectively, the notion of going 3-0 down and then working your way back to 3-3 to have your uh, equalising goal scorer take a shirt off and you know reasonably celebrate uh, with uh, due justification and joy um, and then just concede a fourth moments later and lose the game as though you might as well not have bothered doing any of that completely self-inflicted that fourth goal as well yeah i mean <laughs> it was funny there were several funny moments in this game also uh, van dyke getting completely done by perisic was amusing um but uh, a lot of goals ruben pinder and there have been more goals than usual this year yeah it's been a very goaly season hasn't it um there mm-hmm. was two four threes this weekend this being the main one um it, again it felt like there are kind of two versions of Liverpool, as we've discussed before, and they kind of both turned up at different points in this game. Spurs showed that they can be good. Like the 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 move for Kane's first goal, the pass from Skip down the left to Perisic just before he turned Van Dijk inside out, thought it was really nice football. Mm-hmm. But then equally defensively, they are they just get cut open like yeah. butter sometimes. And they, they were both shocking at times. Yeah, and the, yeah. the back three get dragged to the wrong side of the pitch and you end up with Davis on the right and Dyer on the left and Romero not knowing where he's going. Yeah. 
So, I mean, it made for a very entertaining watch, though. It did um, indeed. And, and John McKenzie, I mean, it's worth saying that um, Tottenham Hotspur played Manchester United midweek last week too, a game uh, that you text me during to say... <laughs> What did you say again? You hate it. I hate this. <laughs> Is this even football? Did I say that? I think that you said something, you said something like, like that. Yeah. I'm almost tempted to. I don't have my phone on me, so I can't. Do you check. want me to look, find out what you're talking yeah. about? Uh, but Spurs, you know, just defensively. Yeah. I mean, Liverpool as well, but Spurs specifically. So both of these teams in this game, I think, were doing the things that they're famous for doing well, badly, if that makes sense. So Spurs are famous for playing like with a back three, low block, counter. And some of the some of the things that they were doing defensively were just absolutely abject. So the first goal, uh, Pedro Porro, uh, completely on unmarking or dismarking or not even realizing that he's in the same. I found it postcode as. Um, uh, let me finish this, and then you can. Oh, you can I got your, excited. You can have your fun. Go on. Um, completely different postcode to Curtis Jones, who then nips in at the back post, and that's just for me. For me, that sort of situation is what. Spurs have been playing with the back threes for years under managers who are really smart managers who are really um, clear about what they want their teams to do in those situations. And it was just an example of not, players not knowing what they were doing in the situation. Yeah, you just kind of think, how on earth can you not know this? Mm. You've been doing this for... I mean, it's Pedro Porro, so he's a new player, but even still, it's... It wasn't even like they were outnumbered. Um, yeah, it was... Or, like, Liverpool hadn't necessarily dragged their entire defence to one side of pitch where it created, like, this overload. They had enough players to mark yeah. those Liverpool players and they just didn't. Yeah. And so there's a few examples of that early on from Spurs and then Liverpool did the thing that they do where they don't bother marking the player on the ball mm. after having a really aggressive pressing situation which pulls all of their central midfielders across and then having the most flimsy uh, and 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 sim- simultaneously aggressive back line of all time as well which just gets played through with a simple pass that any it, Premier League footballer could play. It felt a bit like both teams are kind of stuck between two tactical identities at the moment where fans want pressure on the ball at every level and like more intense high block or whatever you yeah, call it. Yeah. But then their gaps open up in between and then it exposes both defences, which maybe wouldn't look as flimsy if there was more cohesion throughout the whole team. I think the irony is is that if Spurs played like Liverpool usually play and Liverpool played like Spurs usually play, that game would have probably been a nil-nil draw, which is true. weird, right? Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. Here's what you uh, said. Anyway, I think we should carry on talking about the football. <laughs> now, this, this was on Thursday. A really this, this interesting about... conversation about football between me and Ruben. <laughs> this, yeah, was, really this was interesting... about the Man United-Tottenham game. This is, jo- this is John's uh, WhatsApps in the TIFO uh, group. Uh, he said, and to be clear, this this is really this is this is Seb and JJ, Steve Hankey's in there too. But it's a small group where you feel free and willing to say. Well, no longer, no longer no. do I feel free. And the quality of Spurs United game is abysmal. You said, <laughs> maybe it's just uh, last night making things look worse. Last night, of course, you're referring to the Arsenal Man City game. Seb asks, what were you expecting? You said, more fool me, but something resembling professional football. I guess. <laughs> you went on to say. What happened to football as an end in itself? So so bad. I'm crying. A, this is a. This is a. Hold on. So so bad. I'm crying. Uh, then you said uh, I've switched to Everton, Newcastle. Spurs United can't hurt me anymore. <laughs> and then you said later I'm back on the Spurs United game and it's still hurting me. <laughs> and to finish, you sent a little tweet. A little tweet. Little uh, not a tweet. A comment there saying uh, the quality of this game is mind-boggling. That's what you said. Did you at least catch uh, Alexander Isak's beautiful assist in that Newcastle Everton? I didn't game? catch that. Uh, no, that was, was terrific, though, wasn't it? Stunning, yeah. Really good. 
Well done. He's good. Well done to everyone involved. <laughs> just easy. Apart from the, the defenders and that's Apart from the defenders, no. Yeah. No, they got, they got, I think, I would say they got done fairly. I don't know, man. <laughs> the quality of a dribble where I think uh, if you get done by that, you sort of go, yeah, fair enough. You know, it happens. What can you do? What can be expected of me? Hmm? Hmm. Something resembling a professional footballer? <laughs> Not More I. fool you. Exactly. Yeah. Somebody should have kicked him. Uh, Spurs have conceded a league-high 13 goals in the opening 15 minutes of Premier League matches this season, while only three teams have ever conceded more in this period in a single campaign. That is according to Opta Joe. Uh, they've had a tough run. I mean, the three that was added against, against Liverpool probably uh, pushed them pushed them up there. Even, but, um, even under Conte, they always used to start badly. They wouldn't always concede loads of goals in like the first 20 minutes, but yeah. they used to start really slowly and then kind of come out and attack a bit more in the second half. But yeah. now it feels like they've gone even further back where they just don't bother defending for the first 20 minutes and then have to make up for it. It's... But for all, this chat, sorry, um, for all the chat about Spurs' mental fragility or supposed mental fragility and then um, not being winners and stuff, the draw against United and bringing this game back to 3-3, yeah. I know they did lose it 4-3 in the end due to one brain fart from Lucas Moura, um, yeah. for which Romero and I could have been more alert. But the fact that they did get it back to... Uh, three all does show some mental result absolutely right? yeah I mean what is Ryan Mason saying to these guys at half time also just a quick note Ryan Mason the Premier League's best dressed manager yeah? club shop hoodie yeah well it's the sort of thing you would wear so I that's exactly why I'm that. saying I look at him and I think hey kindred spirits when when they were 3-0 down in however many minutes it was my flatmate Henry said to me oh it just looks like they've got a fan out of the stands to coach this game yeah, yeah well does. because of the informal dress yes that's right yeah sure um we don't really have time to talk about this anymore, oh. but there'll be five more episodes of the TFO Football Podcast in which we can discuss Spurs and Liverpool uh, and uh, even indeed Chelsea, because I said at the beginning we were going to talk about Pochettino. We're, we're not. We're not going to do that uh, in depth. And the really big news, the good news, the great news, the terrific news is that uh, <laughs> that was very yeah. China, wasn't it? It's great news, the terrific news. You've just read an Opta tweet which ends with, you know how they do that thing, which is almost one like word. one word at the end, which Sleepy. is like what, that's what, what Trump does as well. Yeah. It's like sad, One sad, word, sad. sad. China. China. Um, but the good thing about China is that next season, of course, the new uh, uh, Tifa Football Podcast will be so in-depth as to give you all the juicy details mm. that you need. It's got nothing to do with China. I don't know why you're looking at me quizzically, Steve. It's, it's not coming back to the China comment. Uh, and, you know, within that, there'll be a lot of fine episodes on Spurs, Liverpool, Chelsea and more. But we'll uh, have a whole episode dedicated to what went wrong at Spurs. That in, kind indeed, of yeah. You wouldn't want to listen to a whole hour on that. Spurs I think Spurs fans, fans yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, Manchester United they don't deserve to be miserable then. Manchester United won nil Aston Villa. A quick stop here to say very impressive work from Manchester United there, beating of course the second best team in the Premier League. What a shame for the second best team <laughs> in the Premier League there. But over to Italy now. Roma won, won Milan. Uh, nobody here watched this game, but I bring it up. I watched this game. You said that you didn't. He Man. said that he didn't, didn't he? Steve, Hank, I'm not making that up. He said, no, I didn't. Why would I lie to you about this? I, do, I don't know, but it's, <laughs> it's like you're gaslighting me. He said that he didn't. I feel the other way around. You said he did? I can't remember if he did, actually. He said he didn't. I don't want to... What's he getting at? Did he talk about it to, to Ken early? This? Did you talk about it on Second Captains? <laughs> I, Ken asked me to watch it, so I watched you. it for him. I said I hadn't watched it. You, you said that. Potentially confusing. Was he there? I don't think I I'd think confuse so. the two of you. I like you. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Anyway, the point is to say that Roma went ahead in the 94th minute 
through a goal from uh, Tammy Abraham. Uh, but uh, Milan Salamakas brought it back in in 97 minutes. And uh, so it's a very important game for the, uh, the Champions League race there, mm. isn't it, John? Yeah, Mourinho proving that he's still Spursy as well, which is nice. But yeah, very important because um, there's now there's three teams on 57 points. So Milan, who are in fourth place, um, Inter Milan, sorry. Inter, Inter, it's not Inter Milan. You just call it? them Inter. Inter. Yeah, it yeah. says Inter on our, our, Inter Milan on our table. So. Yeah. Um, and then AC Milan and then, then Roma, they're all on 57 points in fourth, fifth and sixth. So they're all trying to get that last yeah. uh, Champions League spot. But Atalanta, Atalanta 55 yeah, as well. Coming course, up, made coming up from all behind. the more interesting by Juventus getting their points back. Yeah, well, could they have them taken away again, though, before the end of the season? That, that is a possibility, isn't it? That would be nuts, wouldn't it? I thought it was possible that that could happen. Well, the possible thing that could happen is that Juventus could lose a game and three of the other teams could win the game with three points behind them and then they That is they a possible up, thing right? that could happen. What other possible things could happen? Uh, the world could end and yeah. we Napoli would realise very Napoli, quickly. Napoli could still not win the league. Well, that is possible, but didn't you, you put something interesting in the in the thread about this this morning? That about the talk, Napoli game. Talked about on the Totally Show. So it would be level the, on points uh, if they did The win. geological... Um, yeah, I saw it on the in the notes for the Totally Show. Let me just read it out. Um, Napoli didn't find out their game had been moved to the Sunday until Saturday morning. I think it got moved so that they would know if they were playing for the title or not. Uh, they ended up drawing against Lazio. Um, environmentalists were worried the Scudetto celebrations would spill out onto the borders of Vesuvius and fans would deliberately provoke an eruption. <laughs> there was a very small earthquake when Napoli scored. I mean, it's terrifying, isn't it? Can we go with a camera for when they do win the league? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I watched a video the other day of someone pushing a large boulder into a volcano. A large boulder the size of a small boulder. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. And it, it smashed a little bit of the, uh, of the crust at the top. And it caused an eruption to begin. Volcanoes are cool, aren't they? I mean, terrifying, but scary. Cool. Yeah, scary. I, I remember listening to the the Napoli Milan game that was just happened in the Champions League, and it was Martin mm. Keown and someone else doing the commentary, and they spent yeah. a long time talking about the the volcano. Did they? They're like, oh well, yeah, we hope it doesn't erupt. But I just had this this idea of <laughs> Martin Keown and and the commentator just having huddled, being found in three thousand years time, <laughs> huddled around a microphone because. Because Mount Vesuvius had erupted when they yes, were... Yes, here, children, look at the famous old sports commentator. <laughs> What's that? Oh, that's when they uh, talked about what was happening. It's, was pretty, good, it's pretty bonkers that you can, like, provoke an eruption yeah. with human behaviour. That's true. Well, that's lived, what happens in my lived, house, you know. Hey, long yeah. When I'm in the toilet on my own doing a poo. Yeah. I anyway. Say, it was a good TIFO IRL YouTube headline. We provoked a... We went to Napoli to watch the debate. <laughs> so that is a good headline, yeah. The gang provoke an earthquake. Yeah. A question before we, before we all go. Um, if you were to be trapped in a, <laughs> a lava spill and you knew there's no hope of survival, all you have is the ability to cast one last one final stance <laughs> that you'll be pre- you'll be preserved in. Not a sort of political stance. Not not saying like I support racism before the, the lava gets you. But um, uh, and of course that wouldn't be a political stance. That would be a human rights infringement. Uh, but uh, if you have the, the physical stance, you know, it's a, what, what, if you knew you were going to be discovered three thousand years later, how would you want them to find you? Um, I would do a dab. A dab, yeah. yeah. I do a dab. A, a, a very culturally significant m- body movement of our time. Well, exactly. I'm thinking of the um, the historians or whatever the word is, yes. archaeologists, yes. who you know dig me up in thousands of years and go, ah, the dab. Yeah, a man 
probably went to university in 2016 if he was doing that. There you go. <laughs> What's now, more likely is yeah. that the scientists will go, yes, and here's an example. Of, it shows you how bright the eruption was because, of course, this man <laughs> yeah. put his, el- his hand over or his he face. Was sneezing uh, or something. He was sneezing yeah. when it was done. What about you? I don't know, probably like a classic football celebration. You know? Yeah, so you're like, doing the shearer. You'd put the, oh, you put uh, the lip, whisper on the lips. Yeah. Maybe both ears. I think that's better because if you isolate a finger, it's more likely to break off. Yeah. You know, I think you need to be sort of so in bigger chance. Keep my together. You need yeah. to think about the, the structural in- integrity of my stance. That's right, mm. yeah. So Juventus. What about Juventus? Late May is the appeal to the appeal. Yes. In terms the of their appeal. point. Yeah, the measure appeal. <laughs> it is their point deduction being reinstated. Right. What I'm literally looking at as we go is whether... Late May is what they say. The Serie A season ends on the 28th of May. So it is possible, depending wow. on what, how late is late in May, that that 15 points penalty is reinstated. It could happen. Literally right at the end of the yeah, season for Juventus. It could happen. That would be very, very funny. To be honest, even if it happened over the summer, though, it would still mean that the team that finished fifth then finished fourth, right? So from a results perspective, it, it is all still possible. But mm. um, my main thought is Inception was confusing enough. I'm not sure I could watch it in Italian. That would be... <laughs> That's a real. That's real troubling, isn't it? What's the word for inception in Italian? Inceptione. Hmm. You think that's fine it to prob- put on a podcast? It probably is. Probably to be is because yeah. nouns that end in ion are quite often very similar across. John's about to find yeah. out. Inizio. Inizio. Oh, that's better. That is better, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Well, that seems like that's the end of the the podcast today. Uh, Ruben the baby boy Pinder, happy birthday! Thank you very much. Uh, well done on reaching the ripe old age of twenty-seven. Thank you. Yeah, uh, Jonathan Dog Mackenzie Ruff Ruff. Ruff Ruff. There he goes. <laughs> there he goes. It never fails to please me. It doesn't. You have to greet all of the future guests of the new format like that. <laughs> <laughs> On the new serious Super Football podcast, you. I'm joined today by Anne Widdicombe. Uh, I don't know why Anne Widdicombe <laughs> came to my head. She's here to talk to me about football in the 1880s. Uh, <laughs> Famous Billericay Town supporter. That's right, yeah. Get her and Tamplin on the same episode. Gold. Uh, <laughs> Steve Hankey, thank you very much. You're welcome. And uh, to producer Don also, enjoyed your time today. Okay. There he goes, fine. We'll be back next week where not even a coronation can stand in our way of, uh, of uh, pre- producing and presenting high-quality football coverage. Etymological. Coverage. Etymological football coverage are, uh, for you and all of your royal needs. Uh, but until then, uh, bienvenue, au revoir, ta-ta, as they'll say at the coronation. And, um, uh, go, uh, uh, Alfie Yes? Yes. Yes. Yeah.
The Athletic.